0: Hey, 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 how's it going out there, my mushroom lovers? Oliver Carlin here, and I'm the Mushroom Man. Today, I want to talk to you about sterilization for mushroom cultivation, cheapest and the most effective methods. So the big question is this. With over 10,000 different species of mushrooms, how do people that want to benefit from their various medicinal properties Accurately identify them in the wild, grow them at home, or make them taste delicious without having to read confusing medical reports and possibly eating a poisonous look-alike by mistake? That's the question, and this podcast will give you the answer. My name is Oliver Carlin, and welcome to Curative Mushroom. Alright, so... You know, I was I was looking online, right? And I was looking at some YouTube videos and I was watching different people and their different methods of, uh, you know, sterilizing their environment for growing mushrooms. And people, I've noticed people doing it so many different ways. I've watched so many different videos on so many different people trying to grow mushrooms in different ways. And they were all very effective. I mean, some people... You know, they just do it right in their kitchen, you know, right there. They'll do a spore transfer to an agar plate right in their kitchen. Um, no gloves, no alcohol, just transfer it over, and they do great. And then I see other people that look like they're in a darn science laboratory, you know, where people are working on mice, and they've got full suits on, and they are got, you know, all these crazy equipment all around them, and... And they're also doing great, but it seems like it's such an extreme difference in the level um, of sterilization that people are taking when they're trying to grow mushrooms. And then there's also different stages, like some people are doing it from spore transfers, other people are doing it all the way up to, um, you know, when they're actually inoculating a big bulk substrate to grow out to fruit their mushrooms with like a grain spawn. And then they're, they're doing different types of sterilization at the fruiting and incubation level. So, I, I, you know, I thought, well, you know what? Why don't we get to the bottom of this? I mean, most people, well, let's just say this. People are going to be in different stages of needing sterilization based on what they're trying to do, right? If you're in business for profit to grow mushrooms effectively and you need to reduce the risk of every little amount of contamination then you're gonna want one certain way of sterilization whereas if someone else is just doing this at home for fun they're gonna have a whole different level of needing sterilization and you know most people they just want to feel comfortable that they're picking the right level of sterilization and not spending a ridiculous amount of money setting up a whole laboratory if they don't need to but some people will want to do that so I decided, you know what? Let's let's break it down. Let's see what you need to do, and let's um, discuss that today. Okay? So that's what I did. You know, went out and figured all this out, and looking at the different levels um, and everything like that. So, like we said, there's many different stages in the growing process. Each requires different type of equipment, and the issue is some of it can be very expensive, right? Some of it can be. Like, if you're going to get a laminar flow hood, I've seen those costing as much as like almost a thousand dollars. So, let's start with um, the very first stage, and we'll look at that and we'll go from there. So, the very first stage of mushroom cultivation is your spore, your agar, your liquid cultures, and stuff like that. So, if we're looking at all of that, if we start with our spores and our cultures, this is where you'll see a lot of people either doing it in the kitchen, just doing a spore transfer to an agar plate right there in the kitchen, just scraping the spores into the agar without any real, the only real um, sterilization they do is when they um, pressure cooked the agar, right, that they'd put into the Petri dish or they order pre-made Petri dishes. So that's another option, right? So. If, let's say that you want to make your own petri dish right so you would follow my other podcast that i talked about making petri dishes and you put it into a sterile um, pressure cooker and so the sterilization process you don't even need to be sterile until it comes out of that pressure cooker right so what you're going to find in the sterilization is the most important important point of the whole sterilization process is the transfer Right. So once it comes out of the pressure cooker, um, and we're going to talk about that in a second, but once it comes out of the pressure sterilizer and it, now you got this sterile object, right? Whatever it is, it could be an agar liquid or it could be a substrate that's in a bag, but now it's sterile. So you don't have to worry about it. You could have been a super unsterile up to that point, but now that's a sterile bag or bottle of liquid, right? And the moment that we want to put that liquid into a petri dish or the moment that we want to put um some spores into the bag or some spawn into the bag is the most um critical point of being sterile and you have your it's almost like um if when i think about it it's almost like uh trading um stocks or if you're a trader in the markets i used to trade i still trade but if when when you learn about trading, you know with stocks or forex or whatever you're trading, you'll learn that um, you have to decide what kind of a trader are you. Are you a, a person that can tolerate high levels of risk, or are you a person that wants to be as safe as possible? And there's different types of people. Some people they like the risk, you know, but so their their rewards a lot higher. And then the people that don't they're low risk, you know, they wanna eliminate every chance of risk as possible and go the safest route. So that's kinda of what you gotta decide with your sterilization, right? Now, if you're, if you're doing this for profit, then you probably want to eliminate any chance of possible contamination, right? Because then um, if you do that, you're gonna make yourself money in the long run by not having contamination in bags, right? So that's what most people will do. So anyway, so if we talk about spores, and cultures. Typically what you'll need is a laminar flow hood. Like I said, you can buy them pre-made. I've got a video on my website at curativemushrooms.com where um, this guy shows you how to make your own. It's basically just this big box with a um, micron HEPA filter down to .3 microns on it with a big box fan attached to the top of this box blowing air. And all that does is what this, this laminar flow hood does, is it blows air in at you And then you do all your work in front of this laminar flow hood, and it basically is blowing clean air at you, which means there's no spores floating around. They're gonna come off of you or that's in the air, that's going to get into whatever it is you're working on. So you'll do all your transfers in front of the laminar flow hood. Like we said, the transfer is the most important part, right? Whatever we're transferring. So if we're transferring our liquid to the Petri dish, we put everything in front of the laminar flow hood and we pour our liquid into the agar plate and immediately close the plate or we put our spawn in front into the grain bag and immediately close the bag and we could do all that in front of a laminar flow hood and that's probably your safest if you want to be the safest person as possible you'd want to do that now i have came up with an idea to create one of these dirt cheap instead of paying nine hundred dollars or, or spend the time to make your own my idea is just get a 20 by 20 inch box fan you can get one on amazon get a 20 by 20 inch hepa filter down to 0.3 microns you can get that on amazon i have links to those in my um site and then get some rubber bands they've got these very large rubber bands that go around like trash bins and then just wrap a couple rubber bands around the filter in front of the fan turn your fan on and there you go now you've got a fan that's blowing air through a HEPA filter down to 0.3 microns right in your face and you can do all your work in front of that environment. Pretty much the same damn thing, in my opinion. And you've created basically, even if it wasn't for some reason as good as the laminar flow hood, I mean, you're darn near the same thing. You're blowing clean air. Spores aren't gonna be able to get through it, so um, that's one option I, I think would be pretty good. Now another option is you can do a, um, what's called a still air box. You've probably seen these in movies and stuff like that, but basically you get this big clear tote and you turn it upside down, put a couple holes in it using a four inch hole saw bit for your hands to go into the box. And that's it, you do all your work under this box so that way no, no, no air or anything can get into the box that, um, that's inside there. And you just put your hands in there and do your work and I've got uh, links to my videos on how to make those another thing um, to do so that's kinda how you control the air now another thing you can do um, what I've seen people do is depending on again what you want to do but you can you um, you probably gonna wanna wear like a dust mask over your mouth and face just to prevent anything from you getting on what you're working on you can wear a shower cap over your hair To prevent anything from your hair coming down you can wear rubber gloves rubber gloves are good because it prevents like it's hard to clean in between your nails and under your nails so even if you rub your hands with alcohol you know you could still have something around your nails so a lot of people wear gloves and then still use alcohol on the gloves okay now when we talk about alcohol it needs to be at least 70 percent okay and they say isopropyl alcohol is what people typically use Basically, it's rubbing alcohol if you buy rubbing alcohol. That's 70% isopropyl alcohol Then you put it into um, They got these special squeeze wash bottles or also put some in a spray bottle and just spray the heck out of everything You can't spray enough stuff with alcohol and it just kills everything spray it everywhere and Spray it all over your still air box wherever you're working on and then another thing you might want is a flame alcohol lamp you can use a blowtorch you can use a lighter it doesn't matter if you want to be really like they have in labs it's really convenient you're going to need it for your scalpel and your syringe needle so anytime you're about to inject something because if you're working with spores and you're going to be injecting them into a substrate then you're going to be using a syringe right you can also use a syringe to use um for cloning if you're going to take a sample from uh a mushroom to put it into an agar dish, right? Or whatever you're gonna use. If you use a scalpel, you're gonna need to make it red hot with the flame. If you're using a syringe, you'll need to make it red hot. And those are the important things when working with um, inside, basically inside your lab where you're doing all your transfers, your agar plates, your agar liquids. And I have other videos and um, podcasts and articles on creating all those things. But the important thing is just to understand during that transfer, cause you, let, let's just say this, if I'm preparing my substrate to be uh, used for my mushroom, um, that I, my agar, my uh, cultures that I've made, and I'm creating my substrate, I don't have to be sterile when I make my substrate if I'm about to put it into a pressure cooker, right? So let's talk about a pressure cooker. <clears throat> Since how we've been talking about pressure cooking, right? So almost anything you want to sterilize can be put into a pressure sterilizer. Now these can be as large or as small as you want. I mean, if you go to factories, you'll see they got these um, um, autoclaves that are huge. You can put all kinds of bags, like 100 bags into these things, they're huge. Or you can get one for your house that you just put on your stove and it's called a pressure sterilizer and your typical times when you're going to use a pressure sterilizer like if you're doing a liquid agar solution it'll be 45 minutes at 15 psi if you're doing a quart sized grain jar that's 90 minutes at 15 psi if you're doing large grain bags like five pound bags in it then you're going to do 15 psi at 120 minutes and if you're doing a large sawdust block five pound size that'll be 150 minutes at 15 psi and if you're just not sure 15 PSI at two and a half hours will do just about anything you put in there and they've got different um, types of pressure cookers. You can get online. I got links to them on my on my site, but that's your pressure cooker. All it does really is it creates a temperature creates a pressure environment and you like bolt down the tops of this thing. And by creating the pressure, it forces the heat all the way into the middle. So if you're doing like grain all the way to the middle of the grain will be reaching that temperature so that's why you have to use pressure when you're um when you're doing these things to sterilize them and the same thing that an autoclave would do in a major laboratory or major factory same thing this will do um all right so next thing we got so now that you understand okay you you got your you can work in your lab in front of your laminar flow hood and but you know again some people will do it right in their kitchen They'll just uh, do it right there. I've seen, and also when they do transfers, they don't do it in front of a laminar flow hood. You know, if you're just doing it in your kitchen, there's a very low chance, and believe it or not, people get zero to 5% contamination just by doing it in their kitchen without ever doing it in front of a laminar flow hood. So you don't technically need to. It's just a matter if you wanna spend the extra money and be extra safe. And experiment with it, right? Just know that spores are everywhere the whole point of doing this is because spores are all around us they're in the air you can't see them they're so tiny they're probably all over you as well and at any moment any one of those spores could drop into your environment so if you're working whatever you're working on if you open that bag to the air close it immediately after you open it do not keep it open the, the longer it's open the increases your chance of a different spore landing in your substrate Or whatever it is you're creating there so you do not want to expose it to the air longer than you have to so that's that's the biggest thing when it comes to this type of stuff so once we get past that and we move on to our substrates so now we're working on a bulk substrate we've got past the um, initial culture spores and spawn stage now we have to create our bulk substrate so our bulk substrate this is where um, you have a couple options for your bulk substrate you can buy pellets pellets already come sterilized right so if you if you buy like if you're doing masters mix you're getting soy holes and hardwood sawdust those come in pellets they're already sterilized so what do you do if your pellets are already sterilized you got to mix them with water so you want to make sure you're mixing them with water that's that's been boiled and then put the warm water into to your pellets you're gonna mix it up but do that in in a in a environment that you know is sterile right maybe in a room where there's nothing else at there's you know and you you mix it in this environment you wear your mask you wear your, your suit you wear your hairnet or your uh, shower cap you wear all these things and you mix you mix the water with the pellets in that environment and you can create your bulk substrate right there without ever having to put it into a pressure sterilizer or anything else so that can be one of the cheaper options to go and if you're worried about contamination once you do the mix let it sit cover it and let it sit for a few days and see if anything starts growing because it shouldn't some people do this outdoors I mean I've seen when people do the straw like we'll get into that now with straw like let's say we're doing hydrated lime pasteurization hydrated lime pasteurization is one option when you're um when you want to sterilize a sub like a substrate and the what this does is it increases the ph level up to 14 which is like max and almost no competing fungi can survive in 14 psi however mushroom mycelium can for some reason so <clears throat> i mean when we put our when we put our mycelium into this, it'll be able to still grow. You don't have to worry about that. But it's going to kill almost every other competing fungi. Now, the, the key, all you have to do here is just add 175 grams of hydrated lime or pickling lime, you can get it on Amazon, to 100 liters of water, soak the straw for 12 to 18 hours, drain the straw for one hour, and that's it. It's sterilized. You can now add your um, grain spawn to it. And normally people do like layering and stuff like that, but I'm not getting into that here um, But that's it for the uh, the Hydrated lime now you could technically use hydrated lime on any other substrate the, the reason why people do it Is because it's easier than having to heat it because the next option is to heat when you have a bulk a lot of substrate You have to heat it and the way you heat it is you put like if we're doing straw again You would heat it into a metal drum with water um put it like in a net bag dip it in the water like a like a like those onion bags like they have big mesh bags put it straw in the bag put it in the water heat it to 149 to 167 degrees fahrenheit for one to two hours then you drain the straw for 15 to 20 minutes which is less than the other one because you didn't let it soak as long right this is only one to two hours and this will kill absolutely everything hot water will be your most effective in killing all other fungi competing fungi then you let it dry out and you can add it now a lot of people will do this outdoors you know so i mean there could be stuff floating around in the air there's always the chance of contamination you just try to limit as much as much as possible your chances of doing that if you're doing it outdoors don't stay outdoors too long you know put, your, put it into a bag and be done with it probably indoors would be more safe because there's no spores floating around the air and you can control the environment a lot more indoors so indoors will be a lot easier but that's pretty much it if you did want to heat it out um, do the you can um, do hydrated lime pasteurization or you can do hot water pasteurization indoors or outdoors if you do it outdoors you just prop the uh, barrel up on some cinder blocks and then put like a gas stove underneath it And heat it that way If you do it indoors you can um, they've got these electric heating belts that you can wrap around a metal drum and Just plug it in the wall and wait for it to heat the water that way Just got to have a way to drain it in the room that you're working in So that's pretty much it Um, Now if you're another option is just boil some water like if you're working with cardboard um, in your house just for fun You know all you got to do is boil the cardboard uh, boil the cardboard then let it cool down and you sterilize your cardboard it just depends on the amount right if you're doing a huge amount you're going to need something bigger than doing it on your stove but that's pretty much it for um for uh for that now the last thing i did want to talk about was Depending on the scale you're trying to grow at, you know, if you're doing an incubation room where you're going to, after you inoculate your substrate with the spawn, you have to put it into a room and you want to keep the rooms clean, right? You don't want a lot. I mean, technically the bag seal that they're in, so you don't have to worry about it too much. But um, a big area of concern, just keep everything clean. Then you don't have to worry about other stuff growing in your room and Because if mold or stuff starts growing in your rooms, then they can produce their own spores. And now you've got these spores floating around in your your incubation and fruiting rooms, and you don't really want that. That's not an ideal room to be working in. It can affect other stuff in your facility. So always be wiping down everything with alcohol, at least once a week, or maybe once a month, just to make sure it's clean. Um, The last thing you'd have to worry about is in the fruiting room, if you are growing outdoors, just be careful with flies. Flies will, um, one little fly can turn into 100 flies really quick. And they'll, um, they'll eat the mushrooms and they'll lay their eggs, their larva, their little maggots will grow into the mushroom. And it can ruin your whole crop. So a lot of people choose to grow indoors just because of the flies can mess with um, when they do start to fruit. It can be hard to control, even with fly traps and everything else so but other than that that's pretty much all i've got that pretty much covers um sterilization so again the biggest thing with sterilization is decide your level of risk that you're willing to take the goal is to get down to zero to five percent contamination but at the end of the day if you understand what you're trying to do you're trying to control the air you're trying to control the air because there could be spores in the air there could be spores on you there could be stuff on your hands and the only way to kill these things is with 70 percent alcohol put it on everything around you cover you up with a bunch of as much as you can and control the air environment that you're working in as much as you can as long as you don't got a bunch of other fungi growing around you there shouldn't be too many other spores in the air right and Use a flow air box, um, a, a laminar flow hood is another option. Make everything red hot if you're working with sterile stuff. And only expose stuff to the air as short amount of time as possible. And if you follow these things, then, um, and when it comes to your bulk substrates, same thing. Once you get them sterile, seal them up. Don't leave them out in the air the um, short amount of time as possible. And that's pretty much it when it comes to sterilization that's pretty much um the big bulk of it so now you should be able to go out reduce your contamination way down if you don't do anything you're probably at around 50 to 70 percent contamination if you follow a lot of these things you can easily reduce your contamination down to zero to five percent contamination and that'd be really really good again even with um even with uh Hydrated lime pasteurization—you're not killing a hundred percent of the fungi, so your mycelium is strong enough to survive a little bit of contamination. The goal is to kill as much as you can, and and let give your mycelium the largest chance of survival. Okay, and that's pretty much it. Um, to learn more about, you know sterilization for mushroom cultivation check out the link in the description of this podcast and it'll take you to an article i've written that's got other stuff and videos and how to stuff and more details on everything we've talked about here as well as um you can see um other articles on the next stages of the growing process after you you know other than sterilization you know the whole process of incubation fruiting and everything else you need to know and i've got other podcasts on that as well Other than that, thanks for listening. Stay tuned for more great podcasts that will be coming your way. And if you thought this was um, good information, then please share it. And I'll be talking to you again soon. Bye-bye. Curative Mushrooms has to post the standard FDA disclaimer. The statements made regarding medicinal mushrooms have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. The efficacy of these products has not been confirmed by FDA-approved research. Curative Mushrooms is not making claims intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. All information presented here is not meant as a substitute for or alternative to information from healthcare practitioners. Please consult your healthcare professional about potential interactions, or other possible complications before consuming medicinal mushrooms. The Federal Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act requires this notice. Thank you.